0: Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Kelly Clarkson, and this is Miss Into Podcast, the Kelly Clarkson Fan Podcast, talking all, things, all Kelly. things Kelly and to you.
1: Here is Jeremy and Pam. Hey, everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of Miss Into Podcast, the Kelly Clarkson Fan Podcast. My name is Pam.
0: And I'm Jeremy, and we have once again reached that point of a new album breakdown episode. It's hard to believe, Pam, but we're darn near nearly done. In fact, you know, you could technically say with the end of this episode, we've in some way, shape, or form broken down now all of Kelly's albums because this is the last album that was released prior to the start of Missing the Podcast.
1: Oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. Because I was going to be like, what about when Christmas comes around? But you're right. We did a first Im- impressions episode.
0: We should sure like, did.
1: We'll, we'll still do a deeper dive at some oh, point. Yeah. Yes, um, absolutely. And, like, we'll do something about like Kelly Oki as well. Yep. Um, Damn.
0: Yeah, didn't think about that, did you?
1: No, but that's why we also (laughs) started doing the tour breakdowns, which will ramp up again relatively soon.
0: But yes, today we are here to break down Kelly Clarkson's 2017 album, Meaning of Life. This was a uh, question that we got at the beginning of this season of Missing the Podcast. People were wondering when we were going to do it, and it has arrived. The time is here. And I'm excited to really get down into the nitty gritty of this album because I have to admit, Pam, with all of the excitement about chemistry and with the even with you know going back to Kelly Oki and when Christmas comes around, I feel like it didn't take long for this album to get kind of brushed aside and dust start to gather on top of it. So it's been a minute since I visited this album
1: same here the la- i don't know the last time i listened to the full album like in its entirety it has mm-hmm. been well over a year probably more so yeah. it was it was refreshing because whenever i listen to the songs now which isn't that often to be honest because i'm still like riding the chemistry high um i'm listening to like a song here a song there i am like the epitome of like the young consumer who listens to singles, not mm-hmm. albums. So that's what I've been doing a lot with, with, with this. But um, this was God, this era was such a special time. Mm-hmm. I just, to be a fan, there was just so much going on and you can just tell that it was a breath of fresh air for her.
0: Yeah. This whole album cycle was just a lot of fun. And I think you can credit a lot of that to it being her very first album with Atlantic Records and it was it sort of breathes a new life into just Kelly herself you know she was finally free from her RCA and 19 Entertainment contract she had much more creative control over the product that she was putting out and I think you're going to notice when we start getting deep into this album that Atlantic has sort of taken the stance with Kelly that they're not concerned about big radio hits they're not trying to make kelly be kelly clarkson of the early 2000s or you know kelly clarkson of her 20s they know that they're dealing with an established mature artist who wants to make the kind of material that she wants to make and obviously meaning of life was that first example
1: exactly so this album came out october 27th 2017 so like we Fairly recently had the sixth anniversary, which six years? Oh my god! It's in first grade. (laughs) That's crazy. Um, Yeah, so this was her eighth studio album, first one with Atlantic Records. Um, We were—I mean, I know for me, I was very—I was very excited, but didn't really know what to expect with the first album with this new label. She had been teasing it out um, the summer before on Facebook. Did a lot of like lives performing other artist songs. Like I remember she did um, Stand By Me by Benny King. I think she did. Did she do Love Love on the Brain by Rihanna? Mm -hmm. And a bunch of other songs. Um, And the tease was at the very end, she was like, I'm on a new label. And it was just a really, really fun time to be a fan because, I mean, we didn't really know what that meant. We were like, yay, go Kelly, RCA, we're done with you. But we didn't really know what that meant. And the product was this album.
0: Yeah. And I I think, you know, the the fans who were really, really into the weeds in Kelly's career and especially, you know, I'll even say because this was obviously prior missing the podcast, we were still very big on uh, social media and also on the Express as well. And I know that the long term hardcore fans were very excited to have Kelly finally be released from under RCA's thumb. There was still a lot of animosity there, even Mm -hmm. though sort of the tumultuous years with RCA were really far in the rear view. I mean, at this point, they were more than 10 years back and there had been some big successes after all of the bad years. And I mean, we're specifically talking mostly around the my December era. There were some big successes when Wrapped in Red came out. When Stronger came out, I mean, you can even argue that Piece by Piece was, uh, you know, a big deal for a lot of fans. A lot of fans loved that album.
1: My life would suck without you. Crazy, hitting all those billboard charts. Like, there was a lot of success. However, there was always just a little bit of like resentment with a lot of the fans.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There was still a lot of people who were just like, she needs to get rid of this record label. And I think, especially. After and you know we can we can say this as fans who pay attention to the the nitty gritty and the numbers. After the sort of underwhelming success of the piece by piece record, we all thought, okay, she needs new life breathed into her career. Not necessarily from her per se, but from a support stance from everyone who's surrounding her. She needs new life. She needs something new to interject into her career to kind of bring her back. And I know that fans always want her to be up there at the top. They always want her to be the biggest thing. And when you have an artist like Kelly at this point in her career, it's just not likely to happen. Or if it, at the very least it's going to happen in different ways. Like Kelly is very, very big right now. Just not in the way that we all remember in say the breakaway era. Where she was really big on the music charts and on the radio. Now she's just a big entertainer. She's a big name in entertainment. Again, you know, nothing but Clarkson. You see her all over TV. Her talk show is massively popular, very successful. That is where she is big right now, is entertainment as a whole. Yes, she's known as a great singer. She gets damn near daily coverage on her kaleokis. And she gets constant, you know, occasional, I shouldn't say constant, occasional viral success from something from the talk show. It's a different kind of success these days than what she saw early on. And Meaning of Life was really turning a corner in her career and going in in this new sort of, I don't want to say mature, Kelly, because it's not to say she wasn't mature much earlier than this. I
1: get what what you mean, though.
0: But yeah, it's sort of. More than just being a new album era, this was a whole new career era for Kelly. And yes, there was a whole new career era once the talk show got started, but that was still unheard of at this point. I don't think anyone no.
1: in 2017
0: I mean, was thinking about a talk show for Kelly Clarkson.
1: I, I mean, this album came out in October. She didn't start on The Voice until the early, early 2018. So I think like this era really brought in like a whole with the new sound, which we'll get into, I don't want to say new sound, but with like a different kind of sound plus exposure on the voice for forever. Um, I think this, it really brought in like a whole new wave of fans, people who may have liked her, but now we're like really into her.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: which is really exciting. So let's get into this a little bit. So the executive producers on this album are Kelly and Craig Coleman, the CEO of Atlantic records. Yes. Um, that's the first time she's had an executive producer credit since my December. I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. She, uh, and I think that the, I wouldn't know the the story behind giving her the, the EP credit on my December and whether that was something that RCA just said, okay, we're just going to put your name on there because that happens a lot if you, if you look at a lot of the releases from RCA and especially if you go back into the 80s, the 90s, even some of the early 2000s, you'll see that Clive Davis is credited a lot as the executive producer for a lot of albums and it's not like Clive Davis was in there in the trenches every day in the studio, you know, twisting knobs and you know making big decisions. A lot of times an EP credit is more of an honorary credit
1: or like it's, politics
0: yeah a little bit and so i would be interested to sit down and talk with kelly about the politics of the EP credit for my december even though that was a very much owned product by herself and the difference between the EP credit on meaning of life which we're going to talk about here in a second definitely gave her an education via Craig of what it truly meant to be an executive producer
1: exactly um as far as producers on the songs go there were a lot of producers a like lot chemis- of cooks in the kitchen like chemistry we have literally Jason and Jesse and they mm-hmm. were both on this one but there was also Greg Kirsten and there was also just like a lot of other people involved which we'll get through so it was very interesting it was just a lot of literally as you said a lot of cooks there um not necessarily a bad thing but it i find when there are more producers like way more producers it's not always as cohesive as like one full project it's more like song 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 rather yeah. than like album yeah so i don't know
0: yeah, and, and obviously, as most fans know, you know, this album is a big departure from the kinds of albums that she was putting out with RCA. And it was very clear that RCA wanted her to go in a particular direction. They definitely wanted her to be putting out pop product. And obviously, when Kelly sat down and talked with the various labels that were courting her, because. There was, I don't know if there was necessarily a bidding war, but RCA definitely came back to her and said, hey, we want to do another deal with you. I think they offered her a three-album deal and there was some, you know, they gave her a bit more control and it was actually very good for Kelly to take that deal, but she ultimately ended up taking a long-term worldwide distribution deal with RCA. And one of the first things that, Craig said about Wait,
1: you, with Atlantic, excuse you me with it. Atlantic. Yeah.
0: The first thing that Craig said was Kelly is now with Atlantic, which parent company Warner music. She is now going to put out the album that she has always wanted to put out the album that she was always meant to put out. And they made it known right away. She was going to put out a soulful R and B type of an album And Kelly would later go on to say that there was a lot of influence with people like Aretha Franklin in the early part of her career and also a lot of 90s Mm R&B influence on this album. Mariah Carey, 90s Whitney Houston, 80s Whitney Houston, among many other artists that she used as sort of the blueprint for where she wanted to go with this record.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the album, they started like recording it um, in 2016. And I mean, she had just had Remy. So yeah. like, I guess she didn't have like a lot of time to like write a lot of stuff. Yep. So definitely wanted to be more involved in like picking the songs and like rejected some of the ones that like did not fit the vibe, fit the sound, fit the vibe sonically or lyrically, I guess. Um, yeah. there is a thing you wrote in hero, which I'm going to let you talk about. Cause I had no idea about this. The big, little lies thing
0: yeah so kelly has said in the past in interviews that she in in addition to the influences of different artists throughout the decades she also got a lot of inspiration for writing the parts at least that she wrote for the album from the book big little lies now you might know the book you might also be Familiar with the TV show? It's so good. Which had Reese Witherspoon, Meryl Streep was in it, Nicole, Nicole Kidman Kimmon, was in it, yeah.
1: Shailene Woodley, a bunch of people. It's yeah. so
0: good. Yeah, I remember people were obsessed with this show. And I knew it was a book. I never read the book or watched the TV show at all. So I am coming from ignorance when I talk about the show. I'm so
1: curious with those songs.
0: Yeah, me. Oh, me too. And so Kelly uses this book for a lot of inspiration. But what I thought was really funny was, is that the the TV show for Big Little Lies stars Reese Witherspoon. It would be a few, like, I don't know, a year or so later, Kelly would appear on another Reese Witherspoon show, The Morning Show, to play a song, Heat, from Meaning of Life, an album that was inspired by a book that was turned into a TV show with Reese Witherspoon. So,
1: Which, by the way, The Morning Show, another show you have to
0: watch. Oh, yeah. So So good. Oh, my
1: God. So good. Although I haven't watched the most recent season.
0: So I just thought that was interesting that Reese Witherspoon, of all people, has this weird tie in with the genesis of this album and then later on the promotion of the album.
1: Very full circle. So do you also you want to talk about the next point as well? I'm going to I want you to explain that a bit.
0: Yeah. So again, Kelly and Craig Coleman are the executive producers on the album. And I think in an early sign that Kelly had definitely landed with the right label, Craig and her sit down and he really gives her a proper musical education of what it truly means to be an executive producer for an album. And again, this is where I think a lot of fans are not going to want to hear this kind of thing. But he said that she needs to work with her producers and songwriters to make sure that they're not just trying to give her radio hits. Yeah. They're not just trying to make the next big Kelly Clarkson pop anthem They're He wants her to look for people who are trying to give her songs that fit the soul of the album. You know, what really fits in with what she is trying to convey as an entire, message as an entire story behind this album so again Atlantic right out of the jump not worried about radio hits they want her to make a great album and maybe the hits come after that but they're not concerned with that yeah. and I think that she has learned that now that you know what I'm gonna write the music that I want to write and radio hits be damned if they are great if not no big deal I'm still getting to do and make the music that I really want.
1: Which we'll get into a little bit later about like, you know, charts, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Um, one thing I loved about this this album was that um, she really invited and encouraged, et cetera. I don't know what the right word is uh, for background vocals. She really leaned into her team. You know, yeah. so she had Jesse, Nicole, Bridget, her like core team at the time. Um, to do all the background vocals and like they were in like they were in like the love so soft video like mm-hmm. i i love the involvement of getting band members included not just you know on tour or like on the t- well this was before the talk show but stuff like that it was really nice because you don't always get that a lot of times you'll get like session people or kelly you know maybe kelly doing her own vocals whatever that might be so it's it's really nice that they were able to keep it within the family a bit
0: Yeah. And that was the thing, you know, the big thing with Kelly in the previous albums was that she was very well known for doing her own background vocals. You know, she was the one who was in there putting all the layers in of just her in all of these songs. And then later on down the line, specifically Jesse would adapt to the background vocals that she made on the records so that she could translate it to the live performances. But in this go round, uh, Jesse Nicole and Bridget really had a big part in making the album, especially Nicole and Bridget. I mean, they're on the better chunk of these songs on the record, and you know, it's it's great to see. I always love, and I've said this before. You know, especially when it came to chemistry, I love when she gets her core team around her because that's really when she does make some of the best music. I mean, it's great to have session players and a lot of times producers like. Jesse Shatkin and and Greg Kirsten will, will play the instruments themselves on a lot of the tracks that they produce. That's all good and fine, but there is a certain kind of magic that happens when Kelly plays with and performs with her musicians that are with her day in and day out. And I'm well aware of how albums are made now. And you know how Lester's going to record his drums in one studio in Nashville and Kelly's going to record her vocals in LA and, all of that, whatever. I get that. But there's still something to be said about when it's her people all together on one song. And unfortunately, you know, one of the downsides for me is that this really only happens one time on this record. And we'll get to that when we start doing our song breakdowns. But nonetheless, it's still good to see that her people, the people nearest to her are involved in the making of this album.
1: Yes. My favorite thing that Kelly does to describe this album is it is a quote grown ass woman's record. <laughs> I love <laughs> kind that. Of, kind of obsessed with that. Um do you want to talk a little bit about the the logo, I guess?
0: Yeah. So I
1: didn't recall this.
0: Yeah, so some people just dismiss, you know, when you see an album artwork or a logo or something like that, but there was actually purpose Behind the logo, in fact, Kelly says that the reason why they did Meaning of Life in a circle was that that sort of demonstrates that nobody is truly at the center of this album. Everybody was involved and everybody was responsible for making the album a success. It, you know, They never put Kelly's name in the middle of the circle. It's all about everybody. And so it's interesting to learn those little things that so many people don't even think twice about.
1: I would have never. I'm like, oh, they just dis- design choice, you know, like design choice or something. That was it.
0: Yeah, it was just, you know, some graphic design person decided to put the logo in a circle. You know, this will look good on a kick drum, you know, on a stage or whatever. No, there was there was meaning and, and thought behind putting the title of the album in a circle. And I, I like that small attention to detail because we don't always get that from Kelly, especially when it comes to visual and design elements. So I I appreciated about, that about uh, this particular record.
1: Yes. So this album was interesting because this was her first album in a while that did not have any deluxe tracks. So we just yeah. got like of Life, the album, and that was that. So this was released on CD, uh, digital, um, a standard black vinyl, and a limited edition gold vinyl. Now, it wouldn't be until this earlier this year, 2023, that Atlantic actually released a, I think, 75, 75th anniversary. They did this with a lot of artists. Um, but for Kelly's, they did a 75th anniversary clear vinyl. Mm-hmm. It looks pretty cool. I have it. Yeah. It looks pretty yeah. cool. I like it.
0: I never got around to getting the clear vinyl. I only ever got the standard and then I got the gold vinyl, which I think the gold vinyl didn't even come out right away either. It came out a while after, right? I Am think I so. remembering that right?
1: I think. Maybe. Yeah. Um we're not gonna go too much into it, but I just wanna give a shout out to this album cover. It's one of my favorites. She just in the whole photo shoot, she just looks so fierce. And I love just like the black and gold and everything is just in your face.
0: I, I do love the aesthetic of the album. Yeah. And I, I had written this down for later, but we can definitely talk about it now. Uh, again, this is the core team. This is Hair uh, by Robert. Uh, this is Candace doing the styling. And I do believe this is the last appearance, I guess you will say, of uh, Ashley Donovan doing uh, the makeup for Kelly. Oh, she
1: Kelly. did makeup on this. Interesting. Yeah, okay.
0: yeah. Ashley did the makeup for, uh, for this particular album cover. Uh, And then Vincent Peters did the album artwork or the cover, I should say, for this album. And then also it is cute because we get uh, on the jacket inside and on the uh, liner notes inside the vinyl, we do get a cute picture of Kelly, sort of a blend of Kelly and the kids, Oh yeah, which is super, super cute. Considering that, you know, Remy was born just a couple of months prior to the beginning of the recording of this album. And already, you know, in the photo in the album jacket, he already looks like just a cute little boy. Oh. So it's it's funny how, like, much time passed from the beginning of the creation of this album to when it actually came out.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the album cover, I don't know why. It just gives, like, major, like, this is where my, like, nerdy astrology vibes come in. It gives off, like, major, like, Leo vibes. She just looks like a lion. Like, she just has, like, a big <laughs> mane going, and she just looks so fierce, I just, I don't know. I just, I've I've always wanted to say that and I I, I can't really say that in normal conversations and I'm like, it's giving Leo energy, even though she is not a Leo, but it's fine.
0: You know, something that I noticed, especially during the times when she was married, she really did like taking photos where her ring showed. Oh my
1: (laughs) God. So yeah, her her ring is
0: like definitely front and center right there uh, on the album cover because I mean, look, it was beautiful wedding ring. It really was. So yeah. Yeah, and then um, you know, this was this was some wild looks for Kelly. I mean, this this I look and, and I don't know Pam, I don't know fashion, I don't know style, so you're gonna have to help me out here. But uh, you know, this this look where she's got the you know, bed head is the best thing.
1: Lion mane.
0: After That's sex what I hair about, oh my God. <laughs> I don't know what you call it, but but if you have the vinyl and you open it up to that that so photo good. inside the gate, I mean, come on, that's one of the sexiest photos she's ever taken. Oh my now, god, the hair! I would die to have that hair. The the outfit is giving you know medieval times waitress vibes. <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not loving the outfit, but I mean, everything from the neck up is just Chef's kiss. I mean, it's I like, just
1: she's like you know she's like I don't know. She owns like a lion. I don't know why I'm so saying so much lion stuff today, but just she just looks like head bitch in charge.
0: Yes. I mean, yeah. yeah. She looks like a grown ass woman is what she it looks, looks like. She looks like a grown ass <laughs> <laughs> I love anyway,
1: it, man. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> um, let's quickly talk about the charts. So um, the album debuted at number two in, on the U.S. Billboard uh, Top 200 charts. Yep. Um it was the eighth consecutive album of hers to debut in the top three. Go Kelly! Yes, it's it's hard to do these days. It really is. It is Seriously, streaming we, world.
0: We learned that from Chemistry. I mean, I think Chemistry would we, Chemistry bow at four or five,
1: six, something like
0: that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was unfortunately it missed the top three. But I mean, that was an album that you know got a decent push, didn't have a lot of competition when it was released, and still you know struggled to get you know into the I mean, definitely to the top ten, but you know, struggled to make it to top five.
1: Yeah, I vaguely remember. I think it was like Kenny Chesney who I think right when this came out, he did like a tour album bundle. So like everyone who bought a ticket to his tour got the album, and that's Mm -hmm. why he was number one. I think they have now stopped allowing that to count towards charts. But so Kelly could have gotten number one had it not been for the other Casey. um, (laughs) Anyway, Chesney.
0: Just, not at all.
1: Um, pizza number four in Canada and number six in Australia. And the album was certified gold, um, meaning we now know it wasn't just they sold half a million copies, but it they were shipped out to stores for yep. selling. Um, not bad, not bad.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's a respectable uh, sales for the album. I mean, look, it's it's not in her upper echelon of albums sales wise, but. Again, It's
1: also 2017.
0: Yeah, it's 2017. It's a new era. I mean, even music styles have changed since Piece by Piece, you know? So it's still very, very respectable. And I think, again, with the attitude that Atlantic is taking, they're not concerning themselves with album sales. They're worried more about just Kelly making the album that she was supposed to be making. Exactly. And the audience responded. And obviously, a lot of people dug what she made. Uh, speaking of people digging what she made, this n- album was nominated for two Grammy awards. Uh, it was interesting because of the way that the single "For Love So Soft" was released versus the release of the album. They were released over the Grammy nomination deadline cutoff. Yeah, so "Love So Soft" came out in time for the 60th annual Grammy Awards, but the album didn't come out until the nomination periods for the following year's Grammys. So. Love So Soft gets nominated in the 2018 Grammys for Best Pop Solo Performance. It was the fourth time that she was nominated in this category. She lost that one to Ed Sheeran in his song, The Shape of You.
1: I remember, (laughs) like, I see this on Twitter every couple of months where people just get so pissed off because it was like all the nominees were women except for Ed. Uh-huh. All the nominees were there except for Ed. And Ed won. And everyone's yeah. like, are you kidding me? It was like Lady Gaga. I think maybe maybe Kesha. I forgot who else. But mm-hmm. it, I see it on Twitter all the time. And I'm just like, mm-hmm, another man's winning. Sorry, Jeremy.
0: T- I mean, look, none taken. I was obviously <laughs> ready for Kelly to win that category as well. Uh, and then the following year, the album itself, Meaning of Life, gets Kelly another Best Pop Vocal Album nomination. It's her fifth time that she is nominated in the category. She would later go on to get tied by both Ariana Grande and Justin Timberlake for the most nominations in this category, although you can argue that Justin doesn't belong because some of his nominations are included with Sync." Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Just Kelly and Ariana solo have the most nominations in this category, and Ariana obviously uh, won the category that year with her Sweetener album.
1: Which, like, of course, I wanted Kelly to win, but like, Sweetener was was massive. Yes, so like, it wasn't really a surprise. But um, plus, you know, they're buddies, so I'm sure Kelly was very happy for her. Sure, yeah, I don't think Kelly's
0: going to have you know animosity towards somebody who wins awards she's made it clear that she doesn't care about awards it's nice to be nominated but yeah at the end of the day it doesn't really matter who wins
1: yep um so with the critics it did fine it did pretty well with critics um entertainment weekly gave it a b plus all music which all music is such a cool website I just will go on there sometimes and just nerd out and look up people's credits. Mm-hmm. That's how I actually found out. I've never told her this or anyone. I was bored one day and I was just you know going through a rabbit hole and I randomly found that Jesse Collins performed background vocals on "Unwritten" by Natasha Bedingfield and I found yeah. that this out on AllMusic.com. Anyway, they gave it four out of five stars, so not bad. I think that's pretty good. Spin, I'm a little salty about. Yep. Yeah, it said, the album sounded like her contractual days album filler. Whatever, Spin. and well, then I, I mean, look, ugh. at least
0: Spin took the time to review the album because Rolling Stone didn't even bother.
1: 194 my ass.
0: That's right. Ugh. So when it came time to promote the release of the album, it, this is where Atlantic really kind of shined. They decided to go a little outside the box. And I will say that for each of Kelly's albums, there has always been A bit of clever promotion. Uh, I know, especially coming off the piece by piece album when they were hiding the puzzle pieces around New York, that was kind of a fun thing. But when it came to Atlantic promoting the record, they decided to do some sort of intimate listening parties for industry people and specifically a lot of radio people. And I have to say, this is something that I always bring up to a couple of coworkers of mine because I know three people, and maybe possibly four, that were invited to go to Kelly's house in Nashville for an early preview of the album, and I am still to this day salty about it.
1: <laughs> but you got some, uh, you got some mementos from it.
0: I did. Yes, I'll talk about that in a second. Um, what she ultimately did was. She invited uh, people to her home in Nashville, which at the time she had just either she'd either just sold the, uh, the house or the house was on the market. Uh, and I don't know if you if you guys remember, if you ever saw the pictures of this house. But this was the one that had like the really obscene, like crazy uh, playground, jungle gym in the backyard. Uh, it had like enough room to pull a tour bus out in the front. It was just a beautiful mansion. I think she and the family were moving to their acreage outside of Nashville at this point, or they'd already moved there. So the house was still sort of in Kelly's possession so she could use it, but she wasn't actually living there. Either way, she invited people out. They got to listen to six or seven songs from the album. Everybody stood around and drank wine. Uh, Kelly kind of walked around worked the room I mean can you, if you can imagine being at like a cocktail party yes. <laughs> where there's all this food and wine and just Kelly Clarkson walking around saying hi how are you thanks for coming what would you think of some of the songs that sort of thing oh my God. Uh, that's exactly what they did <laughs> and on their way out a lot of people got to grab some you know meaning of life swag um, my my good friend and who's still my boss to this day kept saying, you know, I was thinking of you the entire time that I was there and I really wanted to steal something from her house for you. (laughs) She's like, but I'm certainly not walking out with like a candelabra or like, you know, (laughs) bath towels or anything. She's like, what I did want to steal from you was there was a sign in the bathroom that said, please don't flush tampons down the toilet. (laughs) Wow. And it was in this like nice little like farmhouse type frame. It was really, you know, just it looked like a rich person's house. You know, they didn't just put the sign on the wall like they put it in a nice frame and it's next to something like potpourri or whatever. Oh, my God. And so she's like, I really wanted to just grab that frame and shove it in my pants and like run out the door. Uh, But instead, what they did was they gave everybody uh, some fun little tchotchkes. Uh, They had meaning of life koozies. They had meaning of life breath mints. Of which I still am in possession of. So I have some very unique meaning of life uh that uh, were given away only to industry people at these parties. I think there was some other stuff, too, but I don't remember off the top of my head. What it
1: I was. love that. That's such a cool story.
0: Yeah. And, I, you know, my friends have all got these pictures of just, you know, their arm around Kelly out back with the playground in the background or, you know, amongst, you know, a bunch of people. And I still, to this day, uh, give them all grief for going and not even attempting to ask if their, their good friend that they know who loves Kelly could tag along with. But what
1: oh, Bad friends. I know. Ugh. When they like started this whole album cycle, um, they released Love So Soft as the very first single. However, they also released a promo single with it, which, like, was not sent to radio, but it was just, like, another supporting track, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that was Move You. And they uh, ended up – that was released, I believe, on a Thursday. The next day, they debuted these on the Today Show Summer Concert Series. And I remember, like, <laughs> nowadays – like, I forget it. But, like, then I was like <gasps> – oh, my God, I have 24 hours to memorize the words to these two songs so I can sing along. Like, be real, Pam. Like, no, no one's expecting you to have all these memorized. But back then I was like, oh, my God, I got to do it. Um, So that so it was really cool to be able to see that live for the very first time. Um, and I remember at the Today Show, she also off air, and at the very end, I guess they had a couple extra minutes, and we didn't know what whole – lot of women sounded like but she performed it nice i think was it that one or the year after no it must have been that year yeah Uh, yeah it was definitely that that year um so similar to like Belasco, where you heard a song that has not been out yet and it's amazing but then you forget what it sounds like in about three hours so then she did the nashville sessions which was like probably one of my favorite sessions she's ever done Mm -hmm. and she did it in nashville what's the venue called
0: it's called the war memorial auditorium just this big open space it's really cool
1: yeah and um they did this they recorded this before the album came out i think being like they did this like very early on in the um album promo cycle Mm -hmm. and they performed if you go on youtube now these are the videos you can find you can find meaning a life which is one of my favorite performances of that song yeah possibly my favorite whole lot of woman he Love So Soft, and Move You.
0: And we know that they recorded some, I mean, they may very well have done the entire album, because I know that I've seen Slow Dance and Medicine. Uh, I know that those files were out there somewhere uh, from what I saw. So, I mean, it could very well have been the entire album or maybe just those songs entirely.
1: But, yeah, so if you haven't seen those go on YouTube, Nashville Sessions, they are so good. Mm-hmm. I, like, really wish that they would have done something with, like I, – I know I've put this out into the universe at some point, but, like, my dream would be, like, Record Store Day doing, like, the Nashville Sessions. On oh, my God. Like, oh, my God. Like, it would be – it's brilliant. Yes. Anyway. Anyway. Um, anyway. <laughs> Uh, some other promo that she did is, uh, right before the album came out, her and the band did a private showcase at the Rainbow Room, which is, I don't know if it's the top floor, but it's very high up there at, um, Rockefeller Center in the, 30 Rock building. Um, it was completely industry only, like there weren't fans there, but mm-hmm. they ended up, they ended up posting some videos from that as well. I remember yeah. there was, and I think it was before we had heard all the songs, um, I remember they did a really cool version of "Love So Soft."
0: Yeah, yeah, they only did. Yeah, yeah, they only did like about six songs at this performance, so it wasn't uh, it wasn't the whole album, but I mean, enough of it.
1: Yes, Uh, the next thing was something I was actually there for: the Neil deGrasse Tyson YouTube album release party. Wow, that's so cool! Um, I was there and. We genuinely, everyone in attendance did not know what was going on. We had no idea. It was right after the album came out, like a few days after. Um, she ended up, I think she performed a few songs, like acoustic. Um, they ended up live streaming the whole thing. I'm pretty sure it's still up on YouTube. And you will see yours truly there asking her a question.
0: Hey. Um,
1: however, everyone. That's before everyone, you were
0: one of them. That
1: was before I was one of them. Um, if you go and like look at everyone who asked her a question during it, we were all given questions like for the, i think for for the most part. So like my question that i asked, first of all my mic was off for half of it. Um i didn't know, but it wasn't my question. They just literally handed me a piece of paper. They're like who wants to ask Kelly a question? And I'm like, "All right, whatever, why not?" And they handed everyone like a piece of paper. I think some people may have gotten away with like if they had one of mine, but I'm like, "I don't know. I don't care what I ask her." So, um but the whole thing I'm pretty sure is on YouTube. And the best part at the end People were, like, leaving, and then, like, if you, and I've actually worked at the YouTube studios in New York before. They don't exist anymore, I don't think, um, because of COVID, but um, I had done work there before with some of my old clients, so I, like, knew where to walk, and then there was just, like, a step and repeat, and they were, like, yeah, if you want to go meet Kelly, just line up right here, and we're, like, like, very nonchalantly. It wasn't like, <laughs> everyone, thank you for coming. By the way, there is a meet and greet through this store. No, it was like, if you kind of, like, peeked your head and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you can go meet her if you want. So, anyone who was stuck around, like, fans, were just, we just got in line and got a meet and greet with her. It was just like, what?
0: That's awesome.
1: It was very unexpected. Um, the last thing on here was something I was also at, which was the Sirius XM album release party. Now, I definitely mentioned this in one of our first my kelly experience episodes because i know you and i did one or two episodes like when we Mm -hmm. first started so it's in one of the stories i i I, one of the episodes rather um so we go to this concert it's at the highline ballroom small little club for kelly um and we get there and uh she's like guys i'm sick (laughs) i cannot perform however you are all here so I'm going to just do in, in some like interview. Let's do like a Q&A. So it was like her and a bunch of the, the serious XM hits one DJs. Um, and it was like an hour long interview. And she's like, I'm going to come back. I promise. So she came back. Um, I think the first one, the first time was in September. She came back in November. Yeah. And then did a full concert for us at, oh, what venue was that? Uh Oh, shoot. The venue's escaping my name. It wasn't Mercury Lounge. It was bigger than that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But another small room. And I'm um, like small little clubs that Kelly would never play here in New York. And yeah. uh, full set, full hour plus set. I know the audio. They aired it on SiriusXM a bunch of times afterwards. It's also up on YouTube as well. So fun little stuff for us New Yorkers. I'm sorry. Yes. Guys. I'm sorry.
0: Oh. Just okay, right so let's now get into the songs of Meaning of Life, and we're going to start off uh, with the very first song, and I even hesitate to call it a song. Because it's a song. It's a song, but I don't know if, I don't know, she's never done anything like this before on an album where she has kind of an intro, yeah. you know, and this, what surprised me the most when I was going through the liner notes of the album is that it took a team of four people to write <laughs> a minute. And I mean, it's, it's got, I don't know, a handful of lyrics. It's got, you know, some sounds of, you know, walking across a floor in some heels. I I don't know. What's, I mean, it's.
1: What's with the exclamation points? Was that just more like there were four people? Or Yeah, there that, was four oh. people.
0: It took four people to write this song. It's like, you know, when you look at a beyonce song and there's 30 writing credits on one song it's like what how are you all contributing to this
1: i know um i like this song and i like that it was a nice intro it was like a nice kind of like an open book thing but i'll my one bone to pick is i feel like it would have been a nice bookend to close with a minute outro and do something different there mm-hmm. i feel like that would have been kind of cool i like it i think i mean i wish we got a full song or something longer than this but i did enjoy that they did bring this in a little bit on the Meaning of Life tour for that A Minute in a Glass yeah. of Wine segment that they did, which was obviously longer than a minute. Um, I, I like it, but I get it's nothing like crazy.
0: Yeah, it, it was just, I don't know. I I don't even have it on my my playlist or anything. Really?
1: I did. Oh.
0: I want it to be a full song. And I know there's a lot of fans out there who are like, release the full song. And it's like, there isn't one. so. <laughs> We it don't is, know that it is what it is. I don't think there is. I think no. they. I think they made what they made, and that's all there is. Honestly, all
1: right, that's fair. I think it does go really well though into the second track.
0: It does, yes.
1: Which is "Love So Soft," the very first single off of this album, written and produced by Jesse Shacken, Priscilla Renee Renee. I don't know if that's how you say it, Renea. Who, by the way, um, she had like one hit song. Back in the day, if anyone was like a Degrassi fan back in like the late 2000s, you always saw her song um, Dollhouse on, uh, what was it called? The N. I'm probably speaking like a different language to you right now.
0: Yeah, I didn't watch Degrassi, so.
1: Like the sec- the, the next generation. Anyway, Priscilla Ren- Renea Dollhouse, great song.
0: Okay. Anyway,
1: um, and Maureen Mozilla McDonald.
0: Who cool. we will Mozilla. then from yes. here on out we will refer to as Mozilla. She, Mozilla, who has I mean she did work on uh, piece by piece as well.
1: Yes, 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 yes. Um, I love this song. I think it's so fun. Um, I remember when it came out, I was like, "What is this?" But it was like yeah. a, it was like a light bulb going off in my head. Like this is very different. But like, keep going. Like, yeah. I enjoy this a lot.
0: For like, a leadoff single for this album, I I heard this song and I thought, "Oh shit, this album." is going to be fire. Like, just the, how this whole song just sets up the chorus is insane. She's got that whistle note in in the 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 chorus at the end just get out. Come on.
1: And I don't know, forgive me. I don't know if it's like bass or like 808 drum. Like I don't know what it is, but the, just like if there's something about it like the bass is just so heavy in this. Mm-hmm. So when you play it in your car, it oh, is yeah. so much fun. It's so loud. It's so good. Um it didn't. It was okay, success-wise. It was it was a thing. It was uh, number forty-seven on the Hot 100 in the U.S., which isn't wonderful, but it's there's been worse. Um, but it did hit number one on the Billboard U.S. Dance Club Songs chart. Mm-hmm. Go Kelly for some, yeah. m- 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 you know, some partying. <laughs> yeah, um, I I adore this song. Do we want to talk about the music video now or later?
0: Oh, we can wait till to talk about all the videos okay. altogether. But yeah, okay. uh, love look, Love So Soft is one of the better leadoff singles for an album. Yes. The one downside for me is, and I and I have to say, I don't like when this happens, is when a lead off single doesn't really seem to match the rest of the energy on the album. I mean, it's it's up there and it's like, yeah, it fits perfectly on the album. Don't get me wrong. But I was looking for other songs that sort of had sort of the same energy as Love So Soft, maybe the same vibe. And Love So Soft for me really sticks out on this album. Really? Oh. And not in a bad way. I'm not saying any of this is bad. I just, I, I loved this song so much that I was like, oh my God, we are getting a funky Kelly album and it's going to be incredible. And we did get like a kind of a funky in some parts. But then it was more R&B and soulful in others. And so it's kind of like how, for me, Miss Independent really sticks out on Thankful because Mm -hmm. the rest of Thankful is very soulful. And Miss Independent is like straight in-your-face pop. Yes. And that's what Love So Soft is for me on this album.
1: That makes sense. And also, we'll get into it a little bit more, but like the three singles that they had from this album are all sound so different. Very Which different, isn't yeah. isn't a bad thing, but it's it's hard for like being cohesive, I guess. So mm-hmm. I get what I get what you mean. Yeah. Um, the third song is a little song called Heat. Um, it was written by the Monarch, who worked on um, a minute. They worked on a lot of stuff on this.
0: Yeah, the Monarch is a producing duo. It's Andre and Sean Davidson. They're just known collectively as the Monarch. So we'll refer to them as that.
1: Yes, um, Jessica. Kar- Karpov? yeah, Karpov? Um, she's best a- known as Harlow. Harlow. Um, Michael Pollack and Mick Schultz. And um, it was produced by Mick Schultz and The Monarch. Um, another song that like didn't f- do terribly, but it wasn't like a huge smash, smash success. Uh, peaked at number 14 on the US adult top 40 chart and another number one on the u.s dance club chart but i'm sure it was probably that might have been a remix i'm guessing it had
0: to have been a remix it had
1: to have been um so okay i i like heat a lot but i remember when i when, when i'm sure a lot of you listening were big on twitter and on the express and everything back in 2017 or 2018 rather um there was like a little bit of a debate which, like, among fans about which should be the, the third single, Heat or Medicine. Mm-hmm. And Heat ended up winning. Um, I really like the song, but I don't know. I still stand by Medicine being the better of the two songs.
0: I mean, I'll say this, and I think even you will agree, even though we did get a new, a new live version of it at the Vegas shows, Heat does translate better live than Medicine yes. does.
1: Yes, I will back you up on that. Um, yeah. And I, I do like the song a lot, don't get me wrong. Um, I love the verses. Like There's just such like a build-up. It's the chorus that is not my favorite, but mm-hmm. I, I will never turn the song off. Let's put it that way. Yeah. What are your thoughts?
0: Look, I, I mean, I preferred Heat over Medicine for single-wise. It is... Probably third, third or fourth favorite song on the album. Okay. And again, for me, I love songs that translate really well live. and This one I, definitely
1: does. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. And I always loved when she performed this live. It was it just had a certain kind of energy to it.
1: She's able to hit all those like high notes. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. I, I will definitely back you up on that. I prefer Heat live over Medicine. I will back you up on that. Mm-hmm. Um, the next song, honestly, might be my favorite on the album. Oh, I know wow. I I know I talk at nauseam about medicine, which is probably number two, but Meeting a Life, the title track, I don't know, man. Something about it, it just I'm obsessed with how this was produced. This was produced by Jesse Shacken, written by James Morrison, who is a wonderful, wonderful singer songwriter. Mm-hmm. I think he's British. Yep. Check out check out his duet with Nelly Furtado, Broken Strings. So
0: oh, good. good. So good. Whoa, way to pull that one out of nowhere.
1: I love, that's honestly the only thing I know by him, but it's so oh my good. Gosh. <laughs>
0: it's yeah. Good. Wow. God, I haven't heard that song in a long time.
1: So good. Um, also was written by, Il- oh God, I'm going to butcher this name. I'm so sorry. Ilse? Or Isley? It's not Isley. Oh, or maybe it's not Isley. Ilse? No. Ilse Juber and Jesse Shacken. Um, this was actually supposed to be for the Piece by Piece album, but like that's when it was presented to her. But she was like, you know what? I'm going to hold on to this. Please make mm-hmm. sure no one else records it. Like, I, I want to use this, but this is not the right project. And then it really became, like, the the anchor for the Meaning of Life album. That's um, awesome. It was a promo single, so similar to Move You. It was a promo single that was, like, released ahead of time before the album came out, but it was not necessarily, like, a sent to radio kind of thing. Um, yeah, it was, like,
0: right before the album came out, too, because I remember like hearing this days. song. Yeah, I remember hearing the song pre-having the album in my hands.
1: yeah. Um, the only place it ever charted (laughs) was in Slovakia, um, (laughs) number 71 on their radio top 100 charts.
0: Oh, come on, Slovakia. (laughs) Number 71. That's more of an insult than Rolling Stone.
1: Uh, well, (laughs) at least it's higher than 194. Um, I adore this song. I think it's one of her, can I say, I think it's one of her best vocal songs that I think she's ever put out.
0: It's yeah, it's a good vocal.
1: It just, there's so many layers to it and it's, I don't know, something about it. It, Like, I feel like not a lot of people talk about this track, but I'm like, this is one of, like, probably my top 10 or ever. I just think it's, it's such a loud song. Like, there's so much to it. It builds and builds and builds. And that's even why I love the Nashville sessions because they were able to reproduce that live. And we saw this in in Vegas, Mm -hmm. which I was not expecting. And it was so good. So good.
0: This is the first example of a really good, like, soulful song on the album. Yeah. And I have to admit that I didn't love this song when I first heard it, and kind of like how it took a few years for some songs off of piece by piece to really sort of resonate with me and to gain my appreciation. Meaning of Life, the song, did the same thing. I... It was fine. I would oftentimes skip over it when I was listening to the record, but it was still sort of, you know, it it got the shine for me because, and we haven't mentioned this yet in our breakdown, but it got the shine for me because it was a part of the side A of it all. And we've, we've mentioned in the past that, you know, Meaning of Life is very much a side A, side B album. And we'll talk a little bit more as we, we get uh, a little further down our list here, but you know, this song was sort of the one where I was like, okay, if I'm doing stuff and also listening to this album at the same time, I'm going to focus more on the stuff that I'm doing during this song, if that makes any sense. Yeah. But I've come to appreciate this song more, and I was actually very excited to see it in Vegas. There was, it was a nice thing to to pull out.
1: And she basically opened with it, aside from a moment like this, she it was the second song that she performed on the Meaning of Life tour. Mm-hmm. So I just think she just wails on it, and she sounds so damn good yeah love it um the next song is a song a lot of people don't like i adore it um it is called move you um written by nick ruth molly kate kessner and amy cuny cooney Mm -hmm. and it was produced by nick ruth um all as i mentioned before it was released um with love so soft as kind of like the quote-unquote b-side um and it peaked at number 58 on the u.s digital song chart which isn't bad for a song that was not a single yeah not terrible i like the song i mean it's really schmaltzy and it's really corny but i first of all sounds great i do love how visual the lyrics are and it builds Mm -hmm. up so much and i know i feel like i've definitely said this before but i would have loved to see her perform this with like an actual choir because it's just i don't it really does move me not to you know, be that guy, but it's just, it's, it's a, it's a powerful vocal.
0: Yeah. It's a great vocal of really powerful ballad. My problem with this is that it was released at the same time as love so soft. So this was the other song that we had the most exposure to prior to the album. And it's very similar to the case of mine and me being released for chemistry in that I love mine so much more than me. I know a lot of people love me and I do like the song. Don't get me wrong. But when you only give us those two songs, those are the only two things that we have to compare and to, to see what the album is like and move you and love. So soft were starkly different, even more so different than mine and me were. Yeah. And so you've got the people who really like the uptempo funky, like banger and then you've got this really soulful, beautiful ballad. And it really kind of depended on like how you woke up that morning as to what you were going to be <laughs> in the mood for. And That's a lot fair. of times it wasn't move you for me. That's and so it sort of stained that song for me for a really long time. I can now appreciate it on its own if I can finally separate it from Love So Soft. Like I will always oh. equate mine and me together. I will always equate "Move You" and "Love So Soft" together because really? they were, yeah, because they were released together. They were but even once
1: the album came out, and you were able to like listen. It, you, it wasn't that you couldn't get that separation.
0: Yeah, I still couldn't, even though they separated it on the album. Wow, I still had a hard time. You know, I would think of the other song when I would hear one. So, I mean, I I do love "Move You." It is a really, really beautiful song, and. I think that it's going to be one of those ones that my appreciation for it grows over time.
1: Okay. That's fair. There are plenty of songs that I feel the same way about, so I can't argue <laughs> with you. <clears throat> Rock Hudson. Uh, next one is whole lot of woman. Jeremy's favorite. Yes. Um, it was, this is the first time so far we've seen that Kelly has actually written on one of these songs. So co-ran by Kelly. J- oh, God, this is the episode where I don't know how to say anyone's names. Um, Jussifer? Justifer?
0: I'm gonna say Jessicher.
1: Justifer. Um, Nova Wave, it's a duo, uh with Brittany Coney and Fade oh my god. Fade Majah Maja. mm-hmm. and Jesse Shacken and produced by everyone I just mentioned except for Kelly. I'm not saying their names again. <laughs> um Fun facts, there are some members of Earth, Wind, and Fire that are playing on the song.
0: I love that. I know that that's not going to matter to anybody under the age of 35, but or that, is, <laughs> that is so pimp that she had Earth, Wind, and Fire <laughs> on Whole lot of women. Like that, I didn't even learn that fact until well after I fell oh, in love with this song. And then you tell me that Earth, Wind, and Fire is on there. And Earth, Wind, and Fire is very, like. I mean, they were a big 70s act. They are... I mean, it's the horns. I mean, yeah, that's, that's who these guys are. Earth, wind and fire are the September guys. And so it's like a, a, the horns on this song are earth, wind and fire. And that is the coolest shit to me. I, <laughs> I, you guys, you know, I love this song and this is my vote, obviously for should have been a single, how it was not a single with considering how much Kelly loves this song and how just absolutely baller of an anthem that this song is. The amount of times that I have either seen or heard of it being at drag shows. Yes, I was just about I, to say that. My God, like, how is this song not the absolute banger of this entire album? And just it needs and, to be a oh.
1: TikTok viral sensation. Cause oh, like, my God, yes. I think TikTok may have existed in 2017. I'm not sure. But if it did, it would have been very, very it young. didn't have, yeah, I didn't have its, the impact that it has today. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in an interview with Rolling Stone, Kelly said that the song is about how uh, quote it took me a while to fall in love because I am a whole lot of woman. I have a big personality. I'm a grown ass woman that can pay her bills, and I make a lot of money, and that's intimidating.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, like, preach, girl. Um, it's a fun song. I I adore it. Um,
0: there it is took- a I I don't understand the 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 vitriol towards this song because I hate this- it. Yeah, there is either – it's. I don't know anybody who's in the middle on this song. No. You either love this song or you hate this song.
1: It's so much fun. And there, there's a lot of lyrical things that it took fans quite a while to pick up on, or some maybe right away. But I remember even reading a couple months ago, people were like, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> I, I will I will talk about this I, so you don't have to seem uh, creepy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so also- the first one – Thank you. <laughs> oh, oh, you're welcome. No, you're. I. I. I got you. Um. The first one, which I picked this one up immediately, was the uh, trees like D O double G. Like. Oh yeah, yeah. Like higher than the leaves of fall, like trees, like trees like D O double G. It's like Snoop Dogg when he he's, he's always stoned. So that's that. I mean, the Kelly other one, made a
0: weed reference in a song. I mean, my God, what uh, what era is this?
1: <laughs> what is this? Um. And then the other one is like. <laughs> I'm not going to say the whole lyrics verbatim, but it's about like downtown, go to work. You can assume what that means. It's a little, little sexual innuendo, and a that's little. all. That's all I'm going to say. But you can figure that one out for yourself with that, with those context clues. Um,
0: and if you're scared, go to church.
1: Go to church. <laughs> woo woo. Um, it's such a fun song, and I love that this is this was in the Vegas set list like every night. She's it, this seems like even though it's. Obviously, not a single. It's still a staple for her. So oh even though like the masses may not know it, like it's gonna be a fan favorite forever. Um, I, I adore this song. It is so much fun. It is so much fun. The music it, video we, that we would have gotten. Ugh.
0: Oh, stop! Don't you're just you're just gonna make me sadder that this I'm song sorry. wasn't a single. I'm sorry. I, I I I this is the perplexing one for me. I mean, I this is such a head scratcher. How how this just got left out there? You know. I know. I know. And maybe and maybe it makes it a little more special for us fans who do love the song. Like it's it's kind of like our little secret. You know, she's got this absolutely fantastic song that like the world doesn't know about. That was
1: like Shibbus. That's how I felt about Shivis. Yeah. Like no yeah. one knew that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Next song is My Baby, Medicine. Uh, written and produced by uh Harlow and Mick Schultz. Um it's just, I don't know. I think what really draws me in is the cool little vocal like distortion um Mm -hmm. because we haven't had we never had that from her before I mean now we've had we had it a little bit in skip this part but it's just such a fun song and it's also very soulful so I feel you can still like she can still wail on it um but it does have that bit of that modern vocal I don't want to say like auto-tune vibe but I guess a little auto-tune which you don't get from her and I think that was just like kind of Not that I ever want Kelly to go down the road of auto-tune, but to drop it in a song for a little bit, I thought was very, very cool. Um, I don't know if I have any other notes on the song. I adore it. It's so good. But I realize it's not as good live. But it was much better in Vegas than it was live when I saw it in 2017. Is this
0: your vote for Should Have Been a Single?
1: Oh, yeah. But... It wouldn't have been good for her to like promote it on TV because again, it didn't sound as good like like she did it on The Voice, I think. And it was like fine.
0: I think it would even be easier for her to do it on TV because then she could help them out and give them like backing tracks and you know That's things true. that they could put into the mix. Yeah. But a live performance, I mean, I and I heard you tell your you know your stories about the the time that you saw because you saw the early on in the Meaning of Life tour, right?
1: It was. Uh, the Sirius XM promo concert. So it was right That's when the right. album right when the album came out.
0: Right. And you and, like and maybe... it,
1: you 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 couldn't hear it, but when you listened back on the radio, they mixed it properly there. So it was really just in the venue you couldn't hear it.
0: Okay. So I'd be interested to find out why they decided to shelve the song, keep it out of the meaning of life set list and, and how it came to resurface at the chemistry shows because that was a long lull between performances yeah. for that one particular song that was still pretty fresh in in everyone's minds
1: even though there are a lot of songs in vegas that i didn't hear that i wanted to what are the odds that my two favorite meaning of life songs will be performed when i went to vegas so i yeah i lucked out i lucked out
0: i was excited to be standing next to you when she started doing medicine i was just like oh my god how exciting for her
1: oh my god i flipped out i very much there's probably video somewhere on youtube um
0: (laughs) and so there we end side one if you are following along on your vinyl copy of meaning of life and you know before we we get going with uh with the next song i mean we have talked about this on on the podcast in the past about how this is we're not we're not cutting the album here we're not we're not slamming the album but there is something about it That is very side A, side B. And I think we even put it out there for people on social. And a lot of people said, yeah, I only listened to the first, you know, seven or eight songs on the album. And the rest of the album just kind of doesn't do it for me. There's still some really great songs on the back end of the album. But it just so happens to be funny that the preferred songs on the record are all the side A songs. Uh, Although one of my favorite songs is actually on side B. but Is it? talk about yeah i'll talk about that when we get there but okay nonetheless i i just think it's um this is the most and again i'm not saying this in a in a negative way but it's the most uneven of kelly's albums where it does feel very top heavy like they put all the really good stuff at the beginning yeah and then the the second half of the album has a tendency where it can consider to be dragging a little bit um, I think, you know, you could have shuffled the lineup a little bit, maybe split Heat and Medicine, maybe a little further apart. Maybe you put a whole lot of women a little further down the the roster so that you kind of get that,
1: a little bit higher,
0: deny a little bit higher as well. Yeah. And maybe you sort of even out the album a little bit. Again, I'm not hating on the album. I'm just saying this is there is some interesting disparity between the songs and it just so happens that it lays out that way on the vinyl. And with that, we can now start side B of Meaning of Life.
1: The first track, so it's just track eight, I think, on the album, is Cruel. Um, it was written by the, the Monarch, Harlow, and Pat Linehan. Again, I have I said, this is the episode where Pam does not know how to say anyone's name.
0: I think Pat Linehan is correct.
1: Linehan? Okay. Yep. Um, and this was produced by Jason, which is so cool because yeah, there isn't a lot of Jason production on this album.
0: Yeah, this is actually one of the songs that you know when I was talking about at the beginning of the show where I get really excited when it's the core group. Now, this may not necessarily be the full core group, but this is as good as it gets when it comes to having the the everyday band around Kelly. Uh, In addition to the song being produced by Jason, it also features Lester on the drums, uh, Aben on guitar, and Jason on keys, as well as Jesse, Nicole, and Bridget on background vocals. And then on top of all that, with the orchestra that is included with this song, it's also conducted, that orchestra, by friend of the podcast that we met at the Belasco Theater, Joe Trapanese.
1: I had no idea. Yeah, this wasn't one that was mentioned when we were talking to him. I genuinely didn't even know he even worked on this this album. I for me for me I thought it was just like the piece by piece album and Christmas and stuff like that. But yeah, um, pleasant surprise to see him on there. Cruel is like such like a I don't know. It's not like a. It's like Kelly's like church song on this 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 album. It's 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 good. It's really I I like it a lot. It's not something I usually think to listen to. But whenever it does come up on shuffle, it always puts a smile on my face. Like, she sounds so damn soulful.
0: This and the next song, Didn't I, are my two favorite songs on side B. I mean, this is... Yeah. There's something about this song, and I think maybe it's just the cadence of the chorus mm-hmm. uh, and how she kind of loops that note. I really, really love it. And there was something about this song that sort of stood out to me. Now, it, it never stood out to me as single material or or anything like that it was just a really good song on here and then of course I made these opinions about the song before knowing that it was Aben and Jason and Lester and the girls all on the song so of course when I went and saw the liner notes I thought well no wonder I like this song so much it has all the materials that she really really cooks well with And so, uh, yeah, this is uh, easily uh, one of the favorites for me on the album.
1: Yeah. Has she ever done this live?
0: Not to my knowledge.
1: I'm looking this up. If she has, it's only been like maybe once. We're going to look this up right now. Um, If she hasn't done
0: this live, like this is the kind of song I could imagine her digging out as a Kelly classic at one of the upcoming chemistry shows oh, yeah. either over New Year's Eve and and Super Bowl weekend
1: on YouTube I'm not seeing it so she may have never done this lab and she, yeah she would nail this she would whale oh, yeah. it It would be so good I'm kind of surprised that this never made any set lists
0: I am too I mean it's it's a really good song there's nothing there's no nothing wrong about it I mean it, it doesn't seem like other than the fact that it does you know you wouldn't be able to get the orchestra yeah. I don't see anything that would be prohibitive of playing it in concert.
1: Yeah. I hope we see it at least on YouTube one day. Yeah. Not that we're going to Vegas, but hopefully <laughs> hopefully she'll, she plays it for you guys, whoever's going. Um, the next song, I adore this song, and I this should have been on side A. Like, this should have been higher up, in my opinion. Yeah, um, It is Didn't I? It was written by The Monarch, Audra May, who I Googled and who is the great great niece of Judy Garland.
0: That's weird. Yeah. How about that?
1: And Katie Perlman, produced by The Monarch and Jesse Shacken. The bass on this song is insane. Oh, so insane. good. Insane. This is the song you want to crank up in your car because it's just <laughs> like, boom, boom. Yeah. Um, she has performed this live a bit. It wasn't. In I don't believe that this was not in the Meaning of Life set list, but I'm pretty sure we've heard this live at some point.
0: Yeah. I mean, she played it. Uh, it was on one of the last nights, if not the last night of Vegas was the last time we heard this.
1: And she did it on the Today Show. Forgot about that.
0: And she she did it as a Kelly Oki classic on, uh, That's right. on the Kelly Clarkson show. She did it last season.
1: Yeah. So, okay. So we're making up for lost time. Yeah, for not hearing on tour, I don't know. I don't have a lot of notes. It's just such a fun banger. It's very like different for her because it sounds very like real like bass heavy.
0: We'll have to go and look up the videos from the Vegas show again. I think it was the last night that she did that did that song. Uh, Yeah, this is. I mean, for me, you know, if we're still sticking with the side A side B comparisons, this is a side A song for me. I have a couple of songs I might trade. Didn't I for? I mean, not just off the top of my head. Probably move you. I would mm. trade. Didn't I for? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I I love this song so much. It's it's got a lot of sass. Like it's about the same level of sass that you get from like Whole Lot of women. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. There's that's like what I love about this album. There's just it's just cover, It's saturated in sass.
0: Yeah, and it's just got this kind of like bop to it that you just kind of like you can kind of bounce to the song a little bit. It's it's oh what love you're, it so much.
1: What you're not seeing was Jeremy dancing just now.
0: Yeah, if you, if you just picture in your just in your mind, Google "white dad dancing," and that's what I was just doing. <laughs> you are welcome.
1: <laughs> you are welcome for that visual. Yeah. Um,
0: um,
1: next song is uh, one that I think is a huge fan favorite, except for me. Um, <laughs> oh no! I like the song, but it's definitely not a favorite. Uh, Would you call that "Love," uh, written by Kelly and Jesse Shakin, produced by Jesse? Um, I like this song. I do. Mm -hmm. I think it has very cool production. It's very unique. It reminds me a little bit of like, kind of of like magic, I guess. Like it's like the magic like equivalent, I guess, on *Meeting a Life*. Just very like airy and fluffy. I don't know how to explain it, but it's very. It's a very. Is this one you
0: would call ethereal?
1: Yes, great word, ethereal. Um, I like it a lot, but it is by far my least favorite on the album. Wow. I I don't know. I just. I like stuff that's in my face. This is not in your face. Mm-hmm. I think that's why.
0: Yeah, I mean, this song was obviously good enough to appear on the Meaning of Life tour. So there's obviously some some love in Camp Kelly for the song. Um yeah, this is I mean, not in my top half of the album. It's a good song, it's a great vocal. And yeah, I mean, I don't want to say it's a forgettable song because I don't I don't like calling songs forgettable. But I forget that this song exists sometimes. Yeah. Oh yeah, and but I, I th- and I again I hate kind of saying it like that. But it's just it's one of those songs that it doesn't have that trademark something. Yes, that makes you remember it. You know.
1: So I don't feel as bad saying that though. Yeah, you have an interesting note here. I'll let you say it because I did not think of it.
0: Yeah. So with. With would you call that love I, and I I it I, I like the fact that it starts out kind of like a 90s RB song and I think that that's why I had a lot of hope for it when I first listened to the song it I mean it sounded like the beginning of like a Monica song or a brandy song or something that you know you would hear in the early to mid 90s and then it goes into this really really beautiful vocal from Kelly but then there's just something about I mean, it's got a good chorus. It's got a good hook, but like, there's just something that there's doesn't. There's no punch. There's, yeah, there's something that doesn't hook me long enough yeah. into this song to where I think, oh, I instantly remember this song.
1: It, yeah, that's exactly it. Like, I like it, but it's definitely the forgettable one for me on this album. So yeah. I hate saying that, but it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, lyrically, it's great, but just like, I don't know. It just doesn't stick with me. Um mm-hmm. All right, next song is I Don't Think About You. Such a powerful song, and it's kind of incredible to believe that Kelly did not actually write this because it seems like so autobiographical. Yeah. Um, It was written and produced by uh, The Monarch, uh, Harlow, and pianist Michael Pollack. It was the second single from the album, came out in February of 2018, and um, it peaked at number 14 on the Billboard U.S. Adult Top 40 chart. Um, I remember like when I first heard this, I was just like my jaw was on the floor. Mm-hmm. First of all, hearing Kelly say bullshit, I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> she cursed in a song. That's wild. Because oh wasn't, that, that wasn't really heard of from her. This is such an empowering song and it's such a an F you and even though she didn't write it, I mean I don't wanna like get too far ahead of myself, but like the music video, I think they did an incredible job with really paralleling her how her life blends with these lyrics. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost eerie how close it is.
0: And I remember there was a lot of fan theories about who they thought the song was about.
1: Or, like a lot of people thought it was like uh, like Clive Davis, RCA, that whole yeah, thing. Yeah, and that's but what the, the video. Same... That's what the video kind of implies.
0: Yeah, and, and but at the same time, it's like okay, this wasn't Kelly's pen that wrote this song, so right. it's kind of you know you, you can associate it with whomever really you want to associate it with, and you know the funny thing is is that even though it wouldn't happen until. Six plus years later, I mean, this is a very chemistry esque song. If you you know you really go and read the lyrics, yeah. it has it has that same chemistry energy to it. Only it's it's completely separate because and it's funny because this album is a very empowering album. It's a very love filled album because again, that's a, you know a place where Kelly was in her life. But again, the majority of the album not penned by Kelly but still a lot of themes of love in this album and then there's this song which is kind of an outlier where you know she's been giving you kind of this hug throughout the entire album then she says hang on a second and then she has to like curse somebody out and then she comes back to the hug
1: but if you think about it like when I was listening to this album I like in preparation for the episode I'd forgotten how some of the lyrics are actually a little like, oh God, like if you listen to the lyrics of Cruel, mm-hmm. didn't I? Would you call that love as well? Like those three in a row and, and also I don't think about you are not fuzzy, warm and fuzzy. They're like, you've betrayed me. You suck. And I'm like- was this foreshadowing chemistry? That kind of what you said? I mean, I'm probably reading into it way too much, but like... Well,
0: and especially because she didn't write it. She so didn't write it's, them, it's, it's but hard the, to say. But
1: the themes, I'm like, ooh, girl, like...
0: Maybe that's what it is. And I've never really sat and, and dissected this, but maybe that's one of the reasons why it does feel like a very side A, side B album yeah. in that the attitude kind of changes a bit.
1: There's only one hug song we'll say on side B, and that's the next track
0: yeah maybe I don't know maybe that's one of the reasons why this does have just kind of a different mood a different feel to it is because it is a a change of mood and now I'm kind of sitting here thinking oh wow there is there isn't as many hug songs as I thought there was no (laughs) if you
1: listen to the lyrics it's like the only on side b the only like warm and fuzzy song is slow dance which I guess we can talk about next because that's the next track um Written by Nick Ruth, Molly Kate Kessner, and Amy Cuny. Produced by Nick Ruth. Um, They worked on scrolling. They also worked on Move You. Um, So another schmaltzy song. But I love it. Um, It's – you know, even though it is kind of a hug song, it's also like, hey, dude, I'm not going home to sleep with you. But, like, we can, like, get to know each other. That's kind of what it's implying. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I – I, I, I like it's a for me it's a very um I can see a lot of the imagery with the uh, with the lyrics I think it's great and yeah I wish I kind of wish she would perform this more I really like it
0: yeah this song has a lot of really great imagery it's got one of my favorite lyrics on the entire album and that is how did you go from being a mama's boy to a ladies' man I mean that's a great lyric it's a great lyric. That. And from what I can see and maybe somebody can correct us if our information is wrong but she has not performed this live.
1: That makes sense. No. Which I feel like this would be such a good soundtrack song.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this is a uh, this is was one of my early favorites on the album, like one of my first, you know, first few listens to the record. I really really liked this song. I loved the vocal from her on this. I love just everything about it. I love the, the backgrounds. I mean, it's just, it's a really beautiful ballad for this album. And then the lyrics are just, are great and, and very, very vivid.
1: Yeah. Yeah, this is, this is another song I forget exists similarly to like um, Cruel. But when it comes on, I'm like, oh, I really enjoy this. <laughs> this is really I, I think nice. A,
0: I think a bit about, I mean, Slow Dance and Cruel. More so, slow dance. I think of this song as like a grown-up version of "Thankful" because it is a very, uh, very soulful song. Has a real R and B vibe to it, especially with Kelly's delivery on it. And it is very much like if you listen to "Thankful," that's young Kelly doing R and B, and this is years and years later. Was fifteen years later, and you know she's doing grown-up R and B, and it's just it. They they pair well together.
1: That's a really good comparison.
0: Yeah.
1: I like that. Yeah. That. Oh, my God. We should do more of that. Like. Like. Pop Rock Kelly. Song pairings. Yeah. Like. I don't know. Hazel Eyes versus Happier Than Ever, even though she didn't write it. But still, Mm -hmm. you know, like.
0: So you got your wine pairings, you know, foods that go good (laughs) with wines. And then you can do Kelly pairings, you know, songs that go well together that may be from different albums
1: is this a possible episode idea when we were desperate? I think so. It, it
0: it could be. It could be. Yeah. Although it's going to be one of those ones that requires a lot of research. We're going to be like, uh, uh,
1: <laughs> this one alone was enough research. I was like, Jeremy, thank God there are not many more album breakdowns. I'm tired. Uh, but then they're the tour breakdowns. Don't worry guys. We love this. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, next track is don't you pretend it was written and produced by Kelly, Jesse and Mozilla. Um, this is I would say def- definitely in my opinion a bit of an album track but I really like it. Um I don't love the chorus. It's just I don't like the way that it's sung. Uh, I don't like that. No. Yeah. But it has one of my favorite um bridges.
0: Yeah, it's got a good bridge.
1: I love this bridge. Um it's, it's it sounds really cool. I just yeah, I don't really love the way that the chorus is set up, but uh what is your note here? I don't understand it.
0: Okay, so this song to me sounds and maybe it is because of the way that the background vocals are used in the chorus. It sounds like more of a 50s or 60s influenced song than a 90s type of R&B because there's a lot of 90s, maybe even, you know, 80s R&B influence in this album, but this one for me sounds more 50s and 60s. Really? It sounds yeah, it just sounds older and i don't know if it's the the music if it's the track if it's kelly i don't know what it is but this song sounds much much older than the rest of the album if that makes sense that's
1: so interesting i totally don't hear that yeah i think it sounds a little bit more modern than a lot of other th- songs on the album
0: yeah it just it gives me this like vibe of a song that you might hear on like AM radio back in the 50s and 60s. I don't know. There's It's just some sort of vibe that hits me when I hear this song.
1: I'm like playing it in my head. and I'm like, huh. But yeah, I I have to go back and listen. Yeah. it's it, this. Now that I'm thinking about it, this song, I actually, like I'm playing it in my head and I love the way it begins. Like it's just vocals right in your face. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the chorus I don't like, but everything else is like A plus in my book. It does have one of my favorite lyrics from the album, which is, um, I want the real thing or nothing at all. I'm like, oh, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Um, yeah. yeah, I I do like this song. I think this was another one. I don't know if we've heard live or if we have. It's been
0: barely. We haven't. It. No, it's haven't never been? Okay. been performed.
1: Okay. I was like, I can't think of anything, but like my memory isn't the best. So, and the last track on the album is Go High. It was written and produced by Kelly, Jesse Shakin and Mozilla, Just Like Don't You Pretend. Um, this is like, such a unique song for her in terms of Mm -hmm. like the sound the lyrics checks out um but this was like was this am i making this up or was this inspired by like michelle obama's thing like when they go low we go high or something it it was i'm not i
0: mean it's absolutely inspired by that i'm not saying it
1: exactly correctly but okay
0: yeah because the the timing all works out because michelle obama did the when they go low, we go high speech at the, I think it was the democratic national convention in 2016. And so this is right around the time that the record was being written. And that quote, I mean, was everywhere for six months to a year. And so it doesn't shock me that songs, and I'm sure that this is not the only song that references that quote, but I mean, she comes right out and basically says the quote in the song. So, Absolutely, I feel confident saying that this was this was inspired by that.
1: Yeah. Um, I think this is a, just a very unique-sounding thing, like, song. I love the kind of, like, auto-tune-y effects that they put on her voice. It, there's, it's a little bizarre, but I really enjoy it. Um, <laughs> and I love <laughs> the breath that she takes. Like, mm-hmm. it's like the bridge. She goes, like... If if you know, you know. Like just listen to it. It's a I, I just I think they did a very cool job. Um this is this for me is like the the take you high of this album. It's just the little like experimental track, I guess.
0: Yeah, this is my least favorite of the album. Really? Uh, yeah. Um there I don't I hate being so critical about her songs, but there is a corniness factor. To me, with this song, oh. I'm not a fan of the of the experimental auto tunish sound. Um, it kind of just seems unnecessary. Um, I know it was a production choice, you know, and I'm sure Kelly had something in mind when she was doing this. I understand, you know, wanting to take that message and build a song around it. I don't know if I would have gone. Not that I'm any kind of a songwriter or producer or musician or talented. But I don't know if I would have gone so literal with it i I might have built around it or built upon it and not just used it you know when it comes to the quote and I don't know this is a I mean this is a skip for me every time I don't listen to this song. it's never been performed live and I just I don't know I mm, I don't know it, it, I like I said I hate being overly critical with songs but for me when I hear this song it makes me understand why we don't have a deluxe version of this album. Really? Cuz because, because this is the kind of song you get on a deluxe version where it was left off for a reason and I think they maybe just put what they had out there. I don't I don't honestly know if there is more material that was recorded for the album that they just never used. I would imagine there probably was. But
1: yeah, I'm sure there was.
0: Yeah, but I just—I mean, it makes me wonder what else is out there that was not as good as Go High, you know? Mm. Because it doesn't even—it almost doesn't even seem to fit the the theme of the album. It doesn't seem to fit the sound of the album, you know. The the auto tune thing is a little weird. It—I don't know. It just there's something about this song that doesn't fit for me, and it has always bothered me about this album
1: well this album i can't remember if i've said if i said this earlier or not but like i really tend to find this to be more of like a song album like song 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 versus chemistry Mm -hmm. which is like a whole like arc a whole story i guess sort of a concept album so, so to speak this i don't feel like that at all
0: yeah yeah i get that as well so I mean, to each their own, but I know that this is not necessarily one that a lot of fans go to.
1: Yeah, Um, the Japanese version of the album featured two "Love So Soft" remixes by Cash Cash and Ryan Ryback. 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 Um, I've heard the Cash Cash one before. It's not very memorable, so
0: I. I think that was the one that they released, like right before, like not long after "Love So Soft" came out, right? Possibly. Yeah, I think yeah. I remember that. that like, remix Cash out. Cash is
1: like a pretty established name. Yeah. Um, Ryan, I've never heard of, and I don't even know if I've actually heard that remix. So I'll have to go mm-hmm. check it out. I'm not a remix gal, so. Yeah. Um, and last but not least, let's quickly talk about the music videos. Yes. We got three videos. We are not including the Heat fan video. That was not a music video. <laughs> that was just people. Lip syncing till heat, right? <laughs> yeah. I think I watched it once because I was like, I don't need to see this again. Um, Love So Soft. That was the first video that came out. It was the first single directed by Dave Myers, who also did the Breakaway music video. Um, you, If you've never seen the Behind Hazel Eyes DVD, I'm sure it's up on YouTube. Um, we have an episode about that. I don't remember when we did it, but it was a while ago. Um, but there's a really awesome behind-the-scenes look about how Dave really – wants to like get to know Kelly and uses a lot of her personal life as inspiration for the breakaway video. Mm-hmm. So while the love so soft video wasn't necessarily as like personal, I thought it was probably her most interesting video ever. Cause yeah. visually it was bizarre as hell. <laughs> like you have like multiple Kelly heads singing at once. Like it was yeah. weird and the colors were so they popped. It was wonderful.
0: Yeah, Dave Myers is a is a fantastic video director and this is one of Kelly's best videos. It really was out there and weird and you know I I love the scene with the the room exploding behind her. Yes. And you know the the epic look of her in that big yellow dress walking in the field. I mean, it's just the the whole like multi-head thing with saying. Kelly and it's all weird. the BGV's like I mean, great for them for getting, you know, some facetime in the video but like it was literally facetime um very bizarre uh, visuals in there but there was still a lot of really cool stuff too Mm -hmm. that i really liked so yeah this is one of my favorite videos of hers but i think it's my favorite because one of my favorites because it is so like out there and bizarre
1: oh totally you know, for many years, we got just her like performing like in like a room and they would put like colors yeah. behind her or her just like wailing her arms. And this was actually something different. And it was nice. A yeah. little more um, concept video. A little more concept. What I and one of my favorite parts is her and like the kind of sea wig the sea like the long white hair yep. and the hat and her head just keeps popping up, popping up. Mm-hmm. And w- what I love most is that when they did the, the Spotify sessions, um, like, I don't know, maybe like a couple months or a year later they did. She did love so soft and uh kiss by Prince. They used that f- basically like caricature of her.
0: Yeah. We'll have to post yeah, it. Like you have too. no
1: idea what, what we're talking about. We will post it at some point yeah. this, this week. Uh,
0: the second video for uh, the album was, I don't think about you. This is more in line with some of Kelly's other videos. Yes. Very straightforward. A lot of beauty shots. Um, you know, very no, no frills kind of a video.
1: I, there, it was very, what seemed to be very autobiographical, kind of what I was saying earlier, mm-hmm. like, you know, there was, I think, like, it touched a bit on, like, Because of You, with, like, her parents fighting, and, like, the divorce, mm-hmm. and the Because of You video, and then there was scenes of her being at, like, a table with all these rec- record executives, and, like, oh, they're controlling her career, very much, like what we've heard, you know, happened in 2007 and probably mm-hmm. way prior to that as well. Um, and even, like, some of the shots with, like, um, all the, like, paparazzi and the cameras that I thought mm-hmm. that was also, like, maybe coincidental, but a little nod to the Breakaway video because there's just a lot of overlaps, a lot of, like, things that I feel like we've seen before, but I like that they did it in, like, a grown-up way because all these different versions of Kelly made her into who she is today. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it. It's not one I really ever think to go back to, but when I watched it, I was like, "Oh yeah, this." They they put out. I like that they put thought it into this.
0: I also like that the the Kelly that they use in sort of the the scenarios and the flashbacks and whatever is a different actress than them just doing the easy thing and using Kelly. Yes, you know, having her be the person that's in these flashbacks or you know these thoughts you know, it's a, it's a different actress who's in the back of that limo, who's in the meetings with everybody. And, you know, the, our Kelly is, you know, just there on that sort of curved staircase, you know, singing her song and doing her thing. And then like, you know, all the different versions of Kelly kind of come up and, and join her at the, at the top of the stairs. And yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a very simple video, but also has a lot of meaning to it. And Oddly enough, there's. It's funny. There is a part, and I think, and I wrote this down. It's like I don't know, about three minutes and ten seconds or so into the video. There's an effect that they do in the video where Kelly's kind of moving in slow motion. There's like this blur effect. Yes, and then she she moves from side to side, and I'm like, oh my god, that looks like the chemistry, chemistry album, album cover.
1: Yes, yes. Which I'm sure was totally coincidental.
0: Total coincidence. But I looked at that and I thought, holy crap, that. I mean, because there's been a couple of things, you know, songs that sound like they could be on chemistry. And then there was this visual from a random video in this album cycle that looked like the chemistry cover. It was just it was a little eerie for me. I was like, ooh, got kind of a chill seeing that.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Last video was one that, like, I don't know if anyone was expecting um, it's actually for Meaning a Life. And not that it, it wasn't a single, but it was released for Mother's Day, uh, May 14th, 2018. Um, it was filmed, I don't know if this also means that she directed it, but I, online said it was filmed by Sarah McColgan. Um, Remy and River are in the video. Absolutely mm-hmm. love that. This is a, This is very much back to like the, It's. I feel like this video is like reminiscent of like a, Catch my breath, kind of thing where there's nothing actually going on. It's just very pretty to look at.
0: Yeah, um, it's a very nice, like cinema. The cinematography in the video is really, really good. I love the fact that the band is incorporated into yes. this video. You know, you see, you know, kind of these beauty shots of I think it's Aben and Jason is playing the piano. It's giving me my December vibes, honestly. I and mean, yeah. it reminds me a bit of like the. Um, is
1: it Don't Waste don't Your Time? Wa-
0: don't waste your time video. I'm also getting some hazel eyes video imagery because it is this sort of like, you know, dark. there's like the, the, the tree is everywhere and it's like that dark look. She's in a house with lots of flowing curtains and, you know, it, it's got that sort of that same darkness to it. I mean, yeah, yeah it, it reminded me of several different older videos.
1: Yeah. Um. Even though there's not much going on, it is aesthetically gorgeous. Like she's in like this mansion and it's just like very pretty looking. She looks stunning yeah um and at, yeah towards the end Rem, Rem, uh river and remy come out and it's a cute little thing like they're her meaning of life um there's not much to it but it's really nice and it was kind of a nice surprise to get a video for a song that wasn't a single like i don't know the last time we had that the first thing that came to my mind was like go in 2006 mm-hmm. like we got a video for that even though it was not like a radio sit like song um so yeah those were the music videos
0: also, brown haired Jesse, uh, oh. dark hair Jesse in this video, dark hair curly hair Jesse in this video.
1: That's like same with like love so soft. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. That was also a lot, and also like the the Nashville sessions. They like that was mm-hmm. like their like shtick.
0: They yeah,
1: all we're in like costumes for that. I like yeah, I like that.
0: Uh, Pam, did you ever pick a song that you uh, you did pick your song for? Wish it should have been a single which I yeah, think we went with medicine, medicine right?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, did you have a song that you wish wasn't a single?
1: Um, I mean, you've
0: got, I mean, you've obviously got three to choose from.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can say he, it's, that's the easy answer. I don't think about you. I think could have had way more potential, but I don't know if it was pushed enough. Um, so I'm going to say one of those two. Yeah. I gotta you? go
0: with, I gotta go with, I don't think about you. Um, I just, it doesn't fit for me for a single. I like the song. I love the song. Love the video. But I would, I mean, if you're going to put that up against my choice for should have been with a whole lot of woman, I mean, I'm going to pick that every oh, time. Yeah. yeah. So I, but I'm also, you know, I do love a good ballad off of an album, but I love when the upbeat stuff gets put out as singles. And that's, you know, I mean, that's kind of Kelly's bread and butter is, you know, those anthemic type of songs. Mm-hmm. So I love that choice for a single. But I mean, we got what we got. And I mean, I'm not going to count Meaning of Life as a single, even though yeah. it was released as a video. But I mean, yeah, even still, even if you put it up against Meaning of Life, I'm still going to pick I Don't Think About You, even though I do really like it as a song. At the very least, maybe instead do Whole Lot of Woman and then do I Don't Think About You later in the album cycle. But, you know, as, as they said, and as we talked about at the beginning of this breakdown, They weren't really worried about singles on this album. They wanted just Kelly to make the album that she wanted to make, and they would make do with the songs that they had. I would just love to talk to Craig himself and be like, how did whole lot of women not end up a single? You know, Was that a a label decision? Was it a Kelly decision? What's up with that?
1: What gives? What gives? Um, All right, team. That was our Meaning of Life album breakdown.
0: Happy Uh, 6th anniversary to that album.
1: Yes. Um, Let us know your thoughts, your faves, ones you don't love, um, songs you think should have been a single, vice versa, anything you want to think about. Let us know. You can find us on all the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, X, whatever, Instagram, at Miss Into Podcast. Um, If you listen on the Spotify app, please consider leaving us a rating there. You can also comment on individual episodes. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving us a rating and review. We'll, we'll be back next week. I think it's going to be our international episode. Woohoo. hoo Woo-hoo. Very excited. We're going to be talking to three fans from three different continents. Nice. Very excited for that. So you'll definitely want to stay tuned. Um, enjoy the rest of your week. Bye, guys.
0: See you, guys. Thanks for listening to Miss Into Podcast. Miss Into Podcast was written and produced by Jeremy and Pam. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you'll be the first to know when a new podcast is posted. Find us and continue the conversation at Miss Into Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Find more at MissIndaPodcast.com.